Folks, this is a story of a good friend of mine, Jesus Christ. Man, or as I like to call him, Jesse. Man, I remember 2021, 2000 years ago, he was born. Long, brown, silky hair, big, thick beard, and a mustache. He was good to everyone. Everyone he touched, he turned him into wine, man. And he tried to kill him. But every time he died, he'd come back to life like Super Mario in 99 Lives. So he was good to us. He built the North Pole with his bare hands. And he invented the elves and presents. What the hell is that? Stone on air coming up. Completely unsanctioned by the church. Stone on air. Whatever, let's just do this. Stone on air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. Give human beings opportunity and you'll be absolutely shocked with what people do with it. Stone on air coming up. Stone on air. Well, hello, everybody. Happy New Year. It is the first show of 2023. And as of record time Wednesday night, it looks like they've adjourned. They're done. And we still do not have a new Congress. We still do not have a Speaker of the House. How many days in? I guess it's four days in, huh? This television show will never end, and it only gets worse. This is the Stone On Air podcast. My name is Brian Stone. fun watching Republicans argue with each other. It is so much fun. Democrats are not necessarily all that, um, I mean, they're somewhat entertaining is what I mean to say, uh, watching them uh, argue, but Republicans arguing is even is even more of a joy. Going back to when they've been um, having their uh, primary debates, and there was like 20 of them, they had to have them over two days. The Democrats haven't had more than two or three people on a stage running for president. Um, well, I guess that's not true. I guess there, there was a pretty big stage uh, back in 2019 or whatever, but that dwindled awfully fast. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's just silliness all the way around. It's not good for the country, but nothing that this political system does for this country is good for the country overall. It's just kind of fun to watch. I have decided to break my no cable TV news rule a little bit this week because it's just been fun to watch. Uh, what's her name? Bimbo Burt is going to be on Stephanie Rule's show tonight. I've got the DVR on it already. That's the 11th hour on MSNBC. That's the show that I used to watch, hosted by Brian Williams, which is an atrocious, atrocious show to watch now. Um, she's a fine enough lady, I'm sure, but the show sucks. But uh, Bimbo Burt's going to be on a uber-crazy left liberal network. That's That's how cuckoo bird this whole thing has gotten. So welcome to the new year. Your political entertainment theater complex is in full swing. And as I always say, you ain't seen nothing yet. All right, coming up on today's show, a lot of stuff I could have gone with. I've been making notes to self over the last two weeks, but I have kind of taken it easy. I had a great, great, great uh, holiday season all the way around. The 2022 holiday season was good for me this year. And I don't say that very often, but a few things have popped up here that have kind of thrown some of those notes to self out. In the second segment of the show, less about the the kid from the Bills. I forgive me for his name is escaping me right this moment. But um, overall, football in general, the and the potential decline of it from the danger aspect of it, and uh, a lot of the reaction from Monday's uh, terrible situation. Last I heard, he's still in the hospital 
with you know critical condition and um I'll do that in the second segment of the show. In the final segment of the show, uh, New Year's Eve, is it worth even doing all the way around from uh, just a general person walking around standpoint and a recap of my New Year's uh, Eve night and weekend overall? And it's it's I have a feeling when I look back on my life that this past weekend is going to be very, very important to the rest of my life. And I won't be able to dive completely into that totally today, but I can start with it from now and then expand on it later into the um, uh, later on down the road, whenever that might or might not be. So that'll be your second and third segments. I got a handful of things I'll jump into here after I tell you. I also got the realest thing, the calling it the wait for it thing, and then uh, the realest thing all coming up in about a little less than 10 minutes from right now. So the show into the new year will have the same format it's had for a while. I didn't get around to making any new sounders or anything like that at this point. It's a lot of work to do, and I've just been really enjoying being kind of lazy the last couple of weeks. And um, we'll see how the new year unfolds as we move forward. So I don't do New Year's resolutions. I think New Year's resolutions are for dummies. I think it just proves who the weak and uh, procrastinating, lazy types, I think it just makes... Uh, further puts a highlight on that of people because there's there, it's ridiculous to think that you can just stop doing something you've always done. Like, it just doesn't work that way. And, oh, and if you don't do it by the third day, I mean, that's just a, I mean, the studies show. It's it's a asinine way to try to make major changes in your life. So New Year's resolutions are stupid, except I need everybody to try to make this one because I don't think people realize how annoying this is. And this is a pretty easy one. And I had it happen several times over the break. Get, please make a, a, a resolution to stop showing other people your phone. There's n- one of the most biggest pet peeves, most irritating thing to me is when somebody walks up and says, hey, look at this, and shows me something on their phone. I, I think that I'm probably extreme with this, but I think we're all a little annoyed by this. If you want me to see something, send it to me. I don't want to look at your phone. I have my own phone that I look at too often, that I have a problem with looking at far too often. I don't want to look at yours also. So stop doing that. And I don't think people realize how annoying that is. Maybe I'm an, I'm an island on my, by myself over here and most people don't care. I have a feeling most people probably technically do and just haven't really thought about it. Also, I've had enough of this. I've been making fun, like kind of trying to have funny joke voicemails for a long time. And yeah, some of them are funnier than others. The joke's over. The joke is over. Stop calling people. Stop it. Stop picking up the phone and just calling out of nowhere. It's rude as hell. It's absolutely rude as hell. For you to expect me, for anybody to expect me to stop what I'm doing and take your phone call just because you're bored or because you have something to say that moment, stop it. What are you going to do next? Knock on my door? Just walk over to my house and knock? What are you doing? Stop. All of us. Just quit. There are so many efficient ways to communicate in the year 2023 Let's just all quit it. And I think I'm going to change my voicemail it's, if I think about it this week to just just playing that. Just That might just be my new voicemail. Stop calling me. I don't care who you are. Unless you're the, uh, uh, my, my lawyer or my doctor, stop calling. All right. <laughs> That's it. Let's move along. A few other things here. Uh, let the, the, so Christmas. I actually, uh, the only thing I will tell you from Christmas is a recap I had a long weekend, a busy, busy, busy weekend. That first Friday, the 23rd, I went to see the Dead Deads in Red Pond. 
TJ's new band here locally, TJ Griever, Red Pond, and then my dear friend Letitia Wolf and her band, The Dead Deads. And I talked to her for a few minutes and hadn't seen her in a long time. And we uh, had some kind of heavy stories to, to swap. And it was really nice to do. And um, then I did stuff Saturday uh, at my mom's and or whatever. I can't remember the exact order. And then I went to Knoxville basically just to get drunk for the night, which probably wasn't the best idea. But there is one uh, couple of handful of people that I that are not family members, but I know them so closely. I usually do Christmas and Thanksgiving, some kind of variation with them. I went up Saturday uh, Saturday night, came right back Saturday morning or Sunday morning, excuse me. And but I had I, I was the t- Titans looked terrible again. I had a couple of things going on that were irritating in life. I had something within the family that had just finally frustrated me beyond belief. And I get up to Knoxville, and um, I need a pack of cigarettes because I'm probably going to smoke weed because that's what I do when I'm around some of these people. And I hate smoking cigarettes, but I knew I needed some. Just I was just irritated. I was wondering if this was even a good idea to begin with because I knew I was only going to be in town for like 14 hours and it was just to get bombed but these are great friends and great people that i like to see on the holiday so i go on this grocery uh, look uh, uh convenience store a little tiny ratty dingy one and there's a guy in front of me it's just him and me and he's doing the freaking lottery and he's doing this like the, the slips where you got to run them through a machine i don't know anything about the lottery i've never played it before i've never bought a lottery ticket i don't know he's not buying tickets yet he's run the dude's running all these tickets through and it's like 15 Plus, it's just one after another. Over the course of the next few minutes, several people come in behind me. It like five to six more people are behind me. This is Christmas Eve at like six o'clock p.m. And this dude is just kind of fumbling through some stuff at the counter. The cashier guy finally comes back and the money's being handed and it's it's just all confusing looking. And then he's like, okay, so which ones do you want? And then dude just starts looking at the the tickets, you know, that you buy in those behind the plastic case. He's like, huh, well, let's see. Um, I don't, uh, maybe 11. No, how much is a uh, number 19? This went on for five or six minutes. And I'm just standing behind him, staring a hole through the cashier and him, looking like I want to murder somebody. And finally, I snapped. And I said, you gotta be fucking kidding me! Fuck! And then I walked off. Top of my lungs screamed it. Everybody's looking at me he's like, what a psycho. And he goes, yeah, fuck you or something like that. And I opened the door. I was like, fuck you. <laughs> I flipped off the whole place. And I got in my car and I stormed off. And I was like, what the hell did I just do? And I, I don't know. I've never done such a thing on Christmas Eve. And I went and got a pack of cigarettes somewhere else. And then I went back to, uh, to went to the house of the people who were having a kind of an all day holiday gathering, mostly all adults, some some kids around, you know, off to playing and doing whatever. And I just unloaded on my problems and on what I just did. And I just I mean, I came in like a ball of fire. And later on, and they know my whole family that, you know, they know all the stuff that's that I'm bringing up. I don't have to give them any backstory. And it was Later on, I was profusely apologizing for coming in just like with dragon's breath. And uh, and then, of course, yes, sat around the fire outside, you know, 12 degrees, smoking and drinking and telling funny story, you know, douchey stories all night. And it was a nice time and wanted to kind of, you know, sleep the rest of my life on uh, 
on Christmas Day, but then did another Christmas that day and then did another gathering on Monday. So it was just, it was a really great weekend, but that was not my finest moment. I am not proud of it and I am not exaggerating. I'm absolutely not exaggerating. And uh, so, yeah, I had a great Christmas, but I cussed a guy out. That's what it literally says on my uh, show sheet here. Uh, let's see. Uh, Bonnaroo announcement is going to be uh, next Tuesday. So by the time I talk to you again, there'll be uh, the lineup will have dropped, as they say, for the first time, maybe ever. I'm not very excited. I am interested. I'm always interested. But that used to be almost a sacred day. And um, I'm telling you what, I am absolutely just, I'm growing up. I finally grew the hell up. And I, I want to go, and I hope I go. But if nothing else, i got to keep the streak together. It might be what this is all about, is just the streak. I don't know what a good lineup is anymore. Um, I still know a lot of contemporary music, more than the average person, but not a hell of a lot more than the average person. And so we'll see. I, I, am, I am, you know, very interested and a touch excited, but not like I used to be in the past. And uh, real quick before I get to this audio, and this has, I don't mean, you know, this is not me speaking ill of, of uh, Leslie Jordan. I don't want it to come across that way. But I had talked about after he died that I'm just, I'm not familiar with anything that he does or has done in the past. And after, recently I've learned a little bit more. And the little that I've seen, I didn't get it. I didn't think it was funny. I didn't think it was interesting. I didn't think it was clever. Uh, I also thought I probably didn't have a big enough sample, so I wasn't going to say I think Leslie Jordan was not uh, all those things. And uh, until the other day now, I, I have a decent little bit of a sample. Uh, one of my favorite actresses is uh, Maya Bialik from Big Bang Theory, the Blossom back in the 90s. I've been watching her. I'm guessing we're about the same age. I've been watching her her entire life on television, and now... If, if Jeopardy, I have a whole rant on Jeopardy, I'll say for another time, but I still watch it and I especially watch it when she hosts it. And she has this other show called Call Me Cat on Fox. And I watched an episode of this drivel trash and I cannot believe this woman signed up for such an absolutely imbecilic television show. You know that show, what is it called? Uh, Two Broke Girls, I think is what it is. They're like working a pizza shop or something. And it's almost it's very popular, but mostly with young young kids, you know, adolescent, young teens, mid teens. It is like it's done purposely bad, like it's trying to be ex like Disney style humor and and but 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 with sec a lot of sexual innuendo. Terrible show, terrible show. This is cut from that same kind of cloth. My Ambiolic is awful in it and everybody else in it as well and this is one of leslie jordan's last uh sh shows projects that he has and he is the most stereotypical cliched character just like the ones i thought i saw so many other times it is horrendous to watch i don't understand how the, that man was ever considered funny lovable wonderful all that i'm not trying to hate i that's great i get it that's fine but from his performance art ugh! if it's anything like what i thought it already was and and resembles this numb nut driven nonsense then i guess i was right all along on just on just the merits of his performance i don't like i i don't get it i don't think it's good and that show is pure dreck and um 
Burger King in Knoxville got me again, but I'll save that for another time. Let's start here. I got a realist thing. It's called, oh yeah, so this chick is just making a drink in a festive, you know, Christmassy kind of attire, making a drink and talking into the microphone or into the camera, into the phone, I should say, calling it today's, what is it, the realist thing. Hey, fuckers, I don't know who needs to hear this today, but guess what? People don't like you. Might be a couple. Might be a couple hundred. I don't know your fucking story. And who gives a shit? Honestly. Because do you like everybody? No. Of course you don't, you silly goose. Because people, in general, suck ass. Literally and figuratively. So why are you wasting any of your time or energy trying to impress people that you're never going to impress? When you could take that time and energy and love and cultivate the relationships of people that are already impressed by you. Does that make sense? Life is short, babe. All right? Fuck it. I love you. Cheers. Woo, that's strong. (laughs) (laughs) Very, very real. Uh, Not everybody. You don't like everybody, and everybody doesn't like you. This is another way of a guy kind of keeping it real, I guess. And at the tail end, you'll see why I'm calling it the wait for it thing. New Year's Eve is the worst holiday. It is nothing. There is no anything. It is purely an excuse to drink, which isn't a problem on its own. Um, but if that's the only reason for a holiday, it is. It can't. That can't hold up a holiday because guess what? Alcoholism. It's around. Doesn't doesn't matter the day of the year. And also, it's not actually celebration of anything, because like the beginning of the year is just arbitrary. Like I know you know. Christmas, like, they just made up a day, and they were like, Jesus was born then. But at least they're pretending, you know, they made up something, like, that means something. But they're just like, the year starts now. And we're like, why? And they're like, fucking, I don't know. It doesn't line up with anything. Like, there's no solstice. It's just happening. So I'm going to be celebrating by jerking the fuck off of my dick. (laughs) Wait for it. I didn't see that one coming at the time. I was like, hmm stoner looking dudes kind of making a little bit of sense and then uh and then kaboom it ends like that this is today's coolest thing i didn't get her name uh she plays saxophone to uh different styles of music and her profile says sax shreds style and soul today's coolest thing now this is going to be a little bit of a hot take but i think audio slave is better than rage against the machine and Soundgarden. don't come at me It's great. It's great. That's not that hot of a take. Uh, Audio Sleep is not more important than Rage Against the Machine or Soundgarden, but they very well could be technically better, and that's not a uh, that's that's not an opinion that should be looked at with uh, too much of a of a slanted eye, if you're asking me. And just another gem from TikTok, and I swear to God, I will burn down the Capitol. I will be an insurrectionist if this government takes away TikTok from me. I will stand on the Capitol steps waving a TikTok flag set on fire to burn it down. I'm dead serious. Enough is enough. Stop this nonsense. You worry about who the speaker is going to be and you leave my damn TikTok alone.
<sighs> All right, enough silliness. Uh, so this thing on Monday was obviously the worst thing I've ever seen in a sports setting for sure. And football seems to be potentially in danger long term as the players seem to be more and more in danger all the time. I'll uh, stretch out on that coming up next. Back to more Stone on Air. That's exactly what I wanted to hear. StoneOnAir.com. Just outside the football field at Central High here. And these parents are reacting to increasing concerns surrounding concussions. To put it really simply, they say just too much risk. This is according to new data released recently by uh, Phoenix's Barrow Neurological Institute. It shows that over the last five years, there's been a greater awareness of sports-related concussions in general. And this new knowledge has led to widespread concern over long-term effects of brain injuries. As one might imagine, there has been a corresponding decrease in parents who allow their kids to hit the gridiron. In 2016, 68% of parents were okay with it. That's gone down steadily each year since then. Now at just 47%, as you can see there on the graphic on your screen. Naturally, this has resulted in a decrease in high school football participation. Some random report online. This is the dead dead. Really is some amazing music. So good. I'm not just saying that because she's one of my best friends. So it's called First Tooth. Enjoyed seeing Letitia the other day. I saw her again, as a matter of fact, before the holiday season was over. I'll tell you a little bit about that next segment. Now, I know I've done a segment on this before about the decreasing youth playing football. I'm pretty sure I have. I, I can't remember. I'm going to do it a little bit again, so if it's repetitive, I apologize for that. But it was – I had a whole thing I was going to do that I've been saving up for this segment until this thing happened with Damar Hamlin, the uh, Bills defensive player. By now, if you care, you know all about that, and just about everybody breathing cares because uh, it's such a tragically – Sad story, and 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 so often, you know, how people react on social media to things a lot of times is just performative in itself. And I'll even get caught up in it a little bit when a real sad, oh, that's so sad, you know, someone died or something terrible happened or someone got kids got cancer or whatever. All these terrible things that happen every day, and then you're like, you know, I didn't really get tear jerked, like I didn't really have my emotions, you know, jarred at all. I just say, oh, that's that's terrible. Yeah, well, you know, I, but I don't care, right? I mean, it, it's only so much I can care about in life and certainly can't care about every little tragedy, but something like this is a little different, something that's closer to something that I, you know, I I uh, spend a lot of my time with this product, the NFL, not nearly as much as I used to, but still a lot of it. And this was one of the first games of the year on Monday night that going into it was like, this thing is, this is going to be, you know, a must-see. This and because of the playoff implications, so I don't watch a lot of football outside of the Titans. But I want—I was damn near going to make sure I was going to watch not necessarily the whole game because I did miss when it actually happened. 
um, because I don't, I'm not going to watch it from the opening kick, and it happened like seven minutes into the game. And I think Joe Buck is one of the greatest uh, sports announcers in the history of of the profession. A lot of people dislike him. I like him a lot. And so I was very interested in seeing a uh, the the A team do Monday Night Football for a game that actually mattered. But I was, what was I doing? It was, uh, oh, Monday night. So I probably, I started with Raw. I was watching a little WWE. I'm, I'm, I'm not scared to admit it. And I was online probably doing some, some show prep on Monday because I was trying to get an early start on it. That was what I was doing. So I had Twitter rolling, and I saw Joe Buck was trending. And so I thought, what what did he say that everybody thinks is stupid now? And I clicked on it, and it was because he was had just announced that dude was having CPR on the field. And so I immediately jumped up, turned it on. And so that was like three minutes after it had happened. And so I watched all the rest of it. And it was like heart-droppingly like, oh, my God, can you believe this? This is insane. This is nuts. And then it, they didn't ever re- replay the hit. I did catch it before it got mostly scrubbed off the Internet. It's a nothing hit. The hit's nothing. This hit happens every single play of every single game. It's you know clearly not to the head. This isn't a head issue. It's a heart issue. Um, just uh, that made it even more like, no way. What? You know, Dale Earnhardt Sr., Hit the wreck he got in when he died. It was nothing. Just hit the wall. Cars hit the wall every damn race. So that made it even more mind-blowing. And then everybody had to run to socials and get all pissed off because the NFL didn't immediately call the game. And I am rarely taking sides for the NFL because they're a scummy piece of crap. Greed, probably the most greediest organization in the history of the world care nothing about anybody's safety all they do is do things to make the game even more dangerous playing thursday night games on short rest playing you know moving just 17 games play you know adding more and more games and the players go along with it because they're going to get paid more because it's the biggest cash cow probably in the world as well in the history of the world and if if you just walked up to me and i think many people would agree with this you walked up and i didn't know what the nfl was and you said hey here's the nfl and let me tell you all about how how it's operated who operates it the way they make decisions and here's how the game is played and here's how dangerous it is i would like to think i would say yeah you can keep that nonsense bro like what is this trash i don't want to have anything to do with this but we're so conditioned generationally and traditionally, to embrace and love this sport. And I have just as much as everyone else. And so it's very difficult for me to take up for them or be on their side. But this idea that they were going to be playing any more football games that night was obvious from the jump. Now, if you think the NFL wanted to string this thing along so they could play some more commercials, that's one of the things you hear everywhere. Maybe that's true, maybe it's not. I'm not going to care or to believe that. But it turned into almost this like, here's what I would do, here's what I would have done kind of tone all over social media. And it was annoying the hell out of me. It's not as simple as just jump up and make a decision, guys. Um, could they have done it a little quicker? Yeah, sure, I guess. This is a massively uh, sensitive, tragic, unpres- well, modern-day unprecedented kind of thing to deal with. And uh, so I, I put out a tweet and it got a, seven likes, which in Facebook year or the Facebook interaction, that would be like 200 likes because nobody cares anything I put on, anybody puts on Twitter for that matter. Uh, says the outrage over how long it took for the NFL to officially postpone this game is 
they quote unquote look is look at me tweets in disguise. It's got a quote, here's what I would have done, unquote, tone to it. We all know there was no more football to be played tonight. Worry about what matters. And I got one person who's being a jerk about it, you know, mad. You know, oh, that's whatever. So I, at the end of the day, I don't care about that all that much. They said that it started moving or circulating around that the NFL said you got five minutes to get back out on the field. I don't believe that. I don't believe that at all. Of course, they denied it. But who who said that? Where did you get that from? The the media is just, especially the sports media, just a bunch of gossipers, and they just make stuff up anyway. I think it was chaotic from top to bottom. And what do you do here? And they did the right thing, and they were, I believe, going to do the right thing the whole time. But that dude, Hamlin, from what, it, what I can tell, went without oxygen to his brain for a, a pretty long time. Uh, like, I, I, I can't imagine that this guy recovers and has any kind of quality of life. I'm no doctor. I don't know anything more than you or anybody, your neighbor or anybody else you know knows. But, I mean, it was a long time. I mean, a couple of minutes without oxygen flowing is a long time. To cause, you know, you, you can live from that, but significant brain damage and, and you know, whatever that it might be, not good, in other words. So, um, it's terribly sad, but that's a, that's a case, that's a situation where, what are you going to do? What, what are you supposed to do about that? There's nothing that can be done except for stop playing. I'm not even going to get into the loony bins that are saying because of, you know, the conspiracy theory blowhard hacks saying the COVID-19 vaccine had something to do with it. Stop. I'm not even going to begin to go down that road. But this is a very violent game. And really, you kept hearing this is so unprecedented. It's so unprecedented. It's really not. Um, Two or three times that I was not aware of, once in the 70s, a football game, somebody died. Uh, I think there was a hockey incident in, you know, like our grandpa, our, our father's lifetime. And I immediately thought back to Hank Gathers from what, 92, 95, 94, whatever that was. I was way old enough and watching tons of sports. And that was a massive story. Hank Gathers fell out and died right there on the court. The college kid, Loyola Marymount, Marymount, I think is the name of this, the school. So it's not unprecedented really uh but how you handle it from a from where our technology is to how massive of a stage that it was on that that is that is pretty much a, a an uncharted waters area for people to deal with from from that angle but this is a terribly terribly dangerous sport that i i don't see several generations down the road it holding as the the american booming cash cow fandom that it is and i think it starts with the the uh the competition on the field it's just noticeably not that good and college football has eroded it is not good at all now jordan now coming off a weekend of the games you just saw you'd be like what are you talking about brian i just watched two of the greatest games of the century or of the decade yeah you did you watched the outliers there are a few really good teams and a lot of really good players but there's just not that many of them. If you're watching college ball, which I watched this year, a lot of college ball, they're not very good. They're just not. 
and it's filtering down into the NFL. They're not that good either. And people are getting hurt because these are car crashes every single play of the game. That's just going to happen anyway. That's always been part of it. And so the backups aren't any good. And these teams, I mean, there's just not any good teams. Now, we still love it. And gambling has brought another kind of flavor to it that has enhanced how much we crave this game right now. So I'm not saying in five years from now, no one's going to like the NFL. College football's only peak interest is only going to peak over the next few years because of the addition of all the playoff teams and all the added revenue and, and the restructuring of how the postseason is being played. That's only going to be increased from a revenue and, a, and an audience size, I firmly believe. But that's the super, super present micro right now in the near future. It's, yeah, it's going to be fine. I'm talking about 50 years from now. I mean, once upon a time, if you told somebody, an old codger back in the day, that boxing, horse racing, and Major League Baseball weren't going to be the biggest forms of entertainment for American culture, they'd call you, they'd call you ridiculous. They'd say, they'd laugh in your face. Baseball, because we invented it, and it was the biggest thing going then. Gamble on it. Boxing, because Americans, well, I think the whole world likes to watch people beat the shit out of each other. And um, and horse racing for gambling. And then boxing for gambling as well. Well, we all realize that boxing is really not that good, and people stop letting their kids box. And so what do you get? Now you got MMA, and that's, you know, Rossville Boulevard loves that, and good for them. But it's still, it's not a national sport. MMA barbaric garbage. Nobody on a grand scheme of things, nobody cares about that. And um, I could see that happening with the NFL because the it's already eroding terribly. Think back 10, 12 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. There was a lot of really, 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 really good uh, college football teams putting a lot of really, 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 really good players in the NFL. Same in the 80s, same in the 90s. And it's just, it's worse every decade. And, um, just look, look at the drafts coming up this year, last year, the next couple of years. What, what are these players are just jumping off the pages that you can't wait to see? I mean, there's plenty of good ones. I get it. This is from Forbes. Despite the continued popularity of the National Football League in the United States, more broadly, gridiron football is in an era of rapid decline. And evidence suggests that the decline is accelerating. This is some uh, numbers here in a, in a chart kind of uh, set up here. Uh, football's decline from peaks. Youth participation aged 6 to 12, with the peak being in 2008. Since then, 6 to 12 youth participation is down over 30%. At the peak of high school participation in 2009, it is down nearly 10%. College game attendance from its peak of 2013, is down 5%, and NFL Super Bowl viewers' peak at 2011 is down nearly 25%. Now, I just went ahead and read those just for the, you know, the heck of it. Game day attendance at college football games is not a barometer of anything. It's insane that we have 100,000-seat stadiums for this, and we would never do that again. We would never say, hey, let's build a new college football stadium and put 102,000 seats in it. Why the hell would you do that? I mean, it's, first of all, it's not practical. It's, it's dangerous. It's not safe. Uh, the Titans' new stadium is going to have 60,000, which is down seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 from what it's at now. The, the Braves just built a stadium 20,000 seats less than their old one because it just doesn't make sense 
to just pack these places full. Plus, most people don't want to go, generally speaking. Um, and then NFL Super Bowl viewers, that's such a bogus made-up number anyway. So that's not a b- barometer. But youth participation down thirty over 30%. That is massive from 2008. That means there's a whole bunch of classes about to go through high school and into college that that they're 30 percent of the people that used to play aren't there anymore that's affecting the talent pool uh let's just a headline here los angeles times participation in high school football in california declines for the sixth consecutive year six years in a row it has gone down that's not going to change the trajectory on that's not going to swoop around and go back up this is from Science Daily, so it's not anything that has to do with sports reporting. It's just uh, it's just raw numbers and scientific data. Americans love football, but differ on whether kids should play. About 50% now think the sport is inappropriate for youth. The issue is divided Americans by race and class, the results show. Black Americans and those with no more than a high school education were not as negative about tackle football for kids as were white people and the college-educated. Higher income adults were more likely to not support youth football. It's not that surprising. As less advantaged people are going to sometimes have only a couple different outlets, and more advantaged people are going to have multiple options. It's not that hard for people to figure out. This I wanted to read just for the sake of it because it is part of this study. It says men and heterosexuals were more likely to think youth football was appropriate, as were people with more traditionalist values those who identified as more conservative who believed in traditional gender roles who especially perceived female athletes to be inferior to male athletes who thought playing sports was part of being an american and those who say that they are christian all were more likely to support kids playing tackle football i'm not exactly sure what to make of that other than i believe it and I don't know ex- how the formula was for this study. I guess I don't have any further commentary other than, yeah, it sounds about right. But, I mean, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm never going to have kids, so I won't be able to ever be able to make this decision. So I won't say that just uh, here's what I would do. But I would like to think that I would absolutely not encourage a, a, a son of mine or a nephew of mine to play football. First of all, I didn't play football growing up, so I don't have a love for it. I love baseball. I would encourage my uh, the young person talking to me to play baseball, to play tennis, to play basketball, to play racquetball, to play anything, play volleyball, play whatever you want. Don't play football. It's first of all, it's very very difficult. It's very expensive as all many sports if you get into them seriously are. Um it's very dangerous, and if you by chance happen to be just good enough to to play at a higher level in high school and college, and you were able to potentially have a look at a, a professional career, which nobody we know will. But it just in, it just if you did, it's the most brutal sport. Just from a financial standpoint, the, there's not nearly as much money to make there as there is in other sports, and they will cut you and throw you out like you're nothing. The NFL doesn't care anything about their players. Nothing about their players. From the way the contracts are are, are are put together, the way they're formulated, the way the training camps are, and all the games and all the it, they, they do not care. And so, if you do go, the chances of you making any money are not good. There are so many other opportunities elsewhere. I think that's happening 
all over the place. And what happened on Monday is going to make it even more so because that wasn't just your traditional headshot. That wasn't just your traditional, uh, you know, broken bone or, or, or severe injury that will eventually heal. It was a heart attack on the field by a 24-year-old. Not let boys play football. If my son, for some reason, woke up at 16 years old and wanted to play football, I'd say, go ahead. But you hadn't done it all your life, so you're not going to be good and you won't make the stand. So here, let's go play some catch, bro. Or bus. Or sport. All right, New Year's Eve. It's a stupid holiday. I think we all pretty much got to where we agree on that. I'll uh, give you a rundown of my uh, weekend in Nashville and a couple other little uh, throwaway fluffy stuff, and we'll wrap up the first show of 2023. It's the Stone on Air podcast. We'll be right back. you get another copy of that memo there's a thing where it's like it's new year's everybody wants to scream and yell like how much is it affecting your life this weird capturing of time in calendars and watches and cell phones like how weird is that because it's just time is this right there right now that's it that's time all that other shit like, this year is this year, and I've done that for six months. That's all in your head. It's my birthday! Yeah, oh my God. Who gives the a worst. fuck? The worst. Bitch, you had one birthday. It was 32 years ago. <laughs> Let it go. <laughs> I'd say that's the first time and very likely the last time you'll hear from Joe Rogan on this show. Just worked for the Open. I don't agree with it completely. I like celebrating my birthday. I like celebrating the calendar. I think... Dates on the calendar are important, and re- reflecting and commemorizing commemorizing them is good. But I get it with the rebel, rebel, so much fun. What are we celebrating? Nothing. It's just another day. It's another month. It just has a different year attached to it. You still go to work on Tuesday or Monday or whatever day is just like you do every other day of your life. Is nothing really going on here. This is why it's red panic. And from the year 2002 until whenever they stopped doing it in Atlanta. So probably 2007 or 8, something like that. I went to Panic for two nights at Phillips Arena, now at State Farm Arena in Atlanta. And that was when I fell in love with the band, and that's what I just started doing all the time. Of course, I was seeing Panic everywhere all the time. And they took a break one year, and I remember I worked at KZ106 the night that New Year's. Because that's back when they staffed 24 hours a day. It's unthinkable now. They staff for like four hours a day. And uh, they needed someone to do overnights. And I said, you know what? What the hell? I'll, you know, I don't have panic to go to. And I uh, don't know what else there is really to do anyway. So I, I took booze to the radio station and got drunk all night playing music on the air and having fun. It's actually a hell of, a, uh, of, of an air shift. Literally drank until six o'clock in the morning on New Year's Eve and New Year's Day and then drove home. Just beer, you know, I wasn't getting, well, I don't really remember that well, but it was a long time ago. And then every other, and then I've gone to Panic a couple of times for New Year's since they've they've gone back into the rotation, but then they started throwing them around to where they would do it in Denver, and they would do it in Charlotte. I think they did it in maybe Florida once, maybe not, I don't remember. But um, 
so it wasn't on the, a regular stop anymore. And going to see Panic is not a regular thing for me anymore. And as this weekend and this last couple of weeks have approached, I'm starting to look at things from a will this be the last time I do it standpoint. And this will make more sense later down the road. But for now, it's still something I've been thinking about a lot recently. You know, I don't know how many more Titans games are on the regular as a season ticket member there's going to be. I don't know how many more times I'm going to go see widespread panic. Will I see panic again before I die? Probably. Probably. But it won't be any time soon. So at the last minute, I decided to grab a ticket to go to the show. And uh, I'll break down that day here a little bit more here in just a second. But first, real quick, I almost forgot. forgot some of my notes here. I definitely wanted to get to this. So here back home on New Year's Eve, Memorial Day, Memorial Day, Memorial Auditorium was having the Blackberry Smoke show for the new year. And I had three choices, I thought, in my head for New Year's Eve. It was either going to be Strung Like a Horse at Barrel House Ballroom, uh, Blackberry Smoke at Memorial Auditorium, or Panic in Nashville. Really three pretty solid choices. Three bands I like a lot. And um, I really felt like this was a no-lose situation. But it all worked out, worked its way to where I went to panic. And I get back and I see that the show had been canceled or had been postponed to January 1st. And I'm back in town and I'm just, you know, just really sluggish. I wish I wasn't so much. I would have then maybe gone to the show that night. So... A lot of people really, really upset, really, really mad. And I wondered, did somebody drop this ball? Because they said the power there was a power outage. But upon further little just examination, research, if you will, nowhere else had power issues downtown. Nowhere on Macaulay had power issues downtown, from what I could tell. And by the time I started looking into it, people had started kind of getting over it. And... The uh, Blackberry Smoke Band is a very, very red-ass band. So they're going to have some red-ass fans that are going to be just spewing nonsense all over social media. So I started digging and digging through the uh, comment sections of Memorial Auditorium, Blackberry Smoke, and I just couldn't really get anywhere with it to see if they were offering refunds because there was a back and forth as to whether they were. Apparently they were offering refunds, but it was very, very difficult, and you had a lot of hoops to jump through. And if you wanted to sell your ticket to get out from underneath it, you didn't have time to sit around and wait to see what Ticketmaster was was or wasn't going to do. So a lot of people just unloaded them uh, just to take a loss just so they didn't lose at all because, you know, who wants to go to a show that you thought was going to be on New Year's Eve? You know, I, I don't know. Anyway, it turns out it looks like people did get their refunds. So in case anybody wondered about that. But more my cons- my curiosity was, what in the world happened? And I didn't get any return on, I asked people to hit me up privately if they didn't want to, you know, I didn't, wasn't trying to make a spectacle out, out of it in public. And Mike Dewar, who runs most things in town as far as booking and has connections to all of them, just, he gave me a quick heads up, said that, that, that all he knew is that they, that Blackberry Smoke's management reached out to him to say, can you find us a venue real quick? And of course, in that time frame, no, they couldn't. And so they just decided to do it on January 1st. Well, then I got this from uh, the thread that I put out just asking for general information from Justin Casey. I don't know if I've ever met Justin in person, but I know I'm very familiar with his work, and he's somebody who I would love to have on the show. He works with 
huge bands. He's a stage director, sound operations. He's got some a very nice resume. And I'm, I'm guessing he does freelance work for most of the shows here in town. And it says, it was on the morning of New Year's Eve, the, the power was on until 9 a.m., then went out and EPB started tracing it down. There were several possible problems. The main feed from the substation was thought to be the main issue, which killed the whole service to the building. They're still trying to figure out what the actual problem is, but they got power on today to make the show happen tonight and killed it tonight after the show to troubleshoot it. We load out tomorrow morning, so to be determined if the power will be back on in the a.m. Okay, so they played the show and then turned it all off just in case because apparently they haven't fixed the problem. They've just kind of rigged it up. Uh, props to the memorial staff and EPB on adjusting and still making the show happen. Unfortunate they had to move it to the next day, but really the stay that this was the best case scenario. So I appreciate Justin giving me that that heads up. So clearly there's something faulty at the auditorium, and it's not an EPB thing, and it's not like a whole block kind of thing. So those are old buildings, and they are showing their wear and tear in a lot of places, the Tivoli and the memorial, and they really have been for a long time. And now that they're allowing, which I'm all for, you know, beverage, you know, all kinds of different drinks now to be taken anywhere in the building, that's just going to mean for more and more uh, a budget for upkeep of those those old gorgeous buildings. I'm not a huge Memorial Auditorium fan, but it's 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 a very nice venue, and I love, uh, love, love, love the Tivoli. So on my way uh, back to my New Year's thing, I'm on my way to Nashville, and I stop in Murfreesboro. That's where Letitia lives, and um, and I, I just, we just had some catching up to do. So we went to lunch, just a lot of things going on in her life. A lot of things going on in my life. And we both kind of realized, damn, it's not as good as, as it looks, is it? <laughs> Whatever it is you thought looked good, it really isn't. And, um, so we talked for about an hour and a half or so, but I stopped by her house at first and she, uh, lives with her husband, Matt Mahaffey. If you don't know who Matt Mahaffey is, I don't have enough time right now to explain who he is. But in the industry, he's a pretty big star from a producer angle. And he's had a lot of success with his band Self in the uh, 90s. I am, I am a, almost in awe of this guy. Like, he is everything I ever dreamt that I wanted to be in my life. And um, it's, it's just fascinating, dude. And they live in this uh, you know, pretty nice neighborhood in Murfreesboro in a musical palace. An absolute musical palace, a full recording studio that is as flashy and as badass as anything I've ever seen with my own eyes. I mean, guitars and drums and instruments everywhere. This, I can't even begin to explain it. It's this, I'm not even going to try. It's this weird looking, like, uh, what do they call that? acupuncture acupuncture a puncture kind of looking thing with all these needles sticking out of it and it's a way that if you it's kind of like wind chime style and it makes like those creepy uh crazy noises for like horror movies and suspenseful things it's a lot of what this guy does is he creates jingles and he creates scores and and contributes to uh pools of of audio that that certain companies can pull from for their TV shows and their movies it's just it's so fascinating and um you know teenage mutant ninja turtles video games in the hallways and Darth Vader life size you know look like it came from a prop out of a, a museum and all the while it's also a very elegant and beautiful place it is it is a 
it's it's a candy store for a an adult like me, a kid in a candy store in this place. I could have just walked around and taken pictures and looked at it. It's like a museum. It's absolutely incredible. So that was a really, really nice time. And then headed to Nashville for the uh the that was early, that was mid morning on on New Year's Eve. And then I met up with a bunch of friends and um I'll tell this real quick. I, I, there's so much I, I don't really want to go into on this one because it's a couple things I don't really want to admit on a show, but it involves a little bit of drugs. But I, uh, I, if, if you listen regularly, you might remember the story I told you about the Super Bowl last year and the guy who couldn't wait to, um, to make a joke about you know something being woke or this commercial is probably about trying to tell us that we can't do this, you know, something like that. It's like it was he was pre-programmed to to make that a thing because some commercial comes on and he's like, oh, I bet this is where they're trying to make me feel bad for being white. <laughs> Am I right? Am I right? That kind of stuff. And it wasn't one of those. So it was clearly that he had this pre-packaged in his brain to do this kind of guy that doesn't care about what the room looks like, doesn't read the room, is more concerned about just, hey, look at me. And um, and it's fine. I'm not even, it's just, it's that, that you do you, dude, and I'm just going to generally not be around that kind of stuff. Well, this guy's, he's back. And um, we're having a fine, fine enough time. And we get an Uber from their house that they rented, and they're, they're, they're throwing down pretty good. So far, I'm keeping it pretty, pretty easy, pretty steady. And um, we get down to walking down from the hotel room we were in. We were headed over to uh, the Panic official shakedown or the unofficial shakedown street. And the road that we're on is Korean Veterans Parkway. And then that leads to the Korean Veteran Memorial Bridge, I think is what it's officially called. But Koreans... That Korean veteran, and um, I've known that forever, and I've I've always for I guess for a split second thought Korean veterans, huh? Anyway, so we're walking down, of course, you know, big lumbering, oh, look, oh, Korean veterans. Why can't it just be all veterans? What Korean? What is it going to be like Chinese veterans? You know, something's just stupid as hell. Listen, numb nut. I didn't necessarily know this at the time because I didn't think about it. I just made a note to myself on my phone to just not forget this. When I looked it up, it's, oh, of course, a, a dullard doesn't know anything at all about anything. The Korean Veterans Parkway and Bridge is to to commemorate the 134,000 Korean War veterans that live in the state of Tennessee, you dipshit. It's not a celebration of Koreans. It's ve- it's United States veterans from the Korean War. There's just so many words you can't put on a street sign. So instead of saying Korean War Veterans Parkway, they shortened it to Korean Veterans. God, I'm telling you, some people just, I mean, and that, <laughs> Jesus Christ, I swear, I, it, it, everything I could do to not be around this guy again, if I, if I'm, if I'm successful, uh, I'll feel pretty good about it, but I'm, I'm sure it'll, it'll happen because we have too many damn, uh, mutual friends. And so anyway, it's about time to go into the show and everybody I'm with is bombed out of their head and it's not just alcohol. 
and everybody I'm around is just messed up, the hooting and hollering everywhere. Um, downtown Nashville was a nightmare. I mean, I had to find enough time, but it, it just, I said I might not, this might be my last panic show. I promise you this is the last time I'll go into a major city on New Year's Eve. There is no doubt in my mind that's the last time. We went into the into the arena, you know, about 8.15. Show started about 8.30, 8.40. And everybody is just, just annihilated. And I got a lemonade, a, uh, a frozen lemonade, Tito's. And it was $26. And I'm just like, Jesus Christ, man. And it wasn't, I mean, it was fine. It tasted okay. But it was like, I'm, I'm just, what am I doing here? And so then I went to my seat. And I was going to maybe meet up with them. But they're so just out of their minds. I don't even want to be around them. So I, I actually had a really nice seat. I won't bore you with trying to explain how why it was, but it was it was pretty good. And so the show starts, and I I have my one hitter, and I take a couple hits, and and I just you know I start thinking about all the things I was talking about with Letitia for the day, and I start thinking about all the things that have happened over the last couple of weeks. And um, the set was great, you know, the opening set was fine, but I just I was starting to stress myself out, and I took I did some drugs earlier before that too that I'm not going to get into details of, that kind of got me in the wrong headspace. And I just, but I was feeling okay, but I was a little anxious. So then I just went walking around after, you know, towards the end of the first set, watching some of the Georgia game, realizing it's pretty good, and just decided, you know what? I'm going to go back. I'm just going to get out of here. I'm just going to go back to the house, and I'll stream the show. And Because uh, I haven't had hardly anything to drink. And I have to drink. I mean, that's part of what a lot of this issue stuff is I'm talking about. I, I have to drink. And I am not, or at least have a couple drinks. I don't have to get sloshed, but I got I have to. And I'm not paying 26 bucks a pop for this. This is not fun. This is not worth it. And so I went back to my brother's, took a few minutes, had to walk a little ways, but Uber was going to be easy at that time. This was probably around 10 o'clock. And went back to the house, put the game, or put the, watch the end of the game, which was exciting as it could could possibly be and then put it on on the porch sat outside smoked and drank and just had a nice time listening to the the panic show and uh, talking with my brother and um his friend that came over was passed out over in the corner you know whatever so it was fine it was fun and i and i'm i'm really glad that i did it but i i didn't really necessarily have fun but I'm glad that I did it. I'll never forget it because of just a lot of the cool stuff that happened over the last couple of weeks. I know that's not the most amazing story you've ever heard, uh, but it's just what I got for right now. And I I haven't seen anything uh, too exciting locally f- recently, but I, I also, also haven't been hardly paying attention. But um, so, yeah, I, the, the end result to that is the chances are I will see panic again someday. But I'll never do it on New Year's Eve. Never, ever, 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 ever will I go anywhere for New Year's Eve that's even kind of a place of high volume of people and activity. New Year's just ain't for me. I've had this whole thing I highlighted about, you know, some scientific stuff as to why New Year's Eve is, is blah, blah, blah. I'm not going to crumple it up and not even breathe. An hour is pretty much uh, approaching us as we speak. So back in the saddle here, I will uh, try to keep my ear on the the local scene of news and and try to continue to find cool and interesting things to talk about and um, hopefully have a lot of cool things going on for this year. 
We all say it. Many of us say it every year, and it usually never happens. I have a feeling this year is going to be different. And every moment that I know what I'm talking sorry for the vague booking here, every time I have any idea of what I'm talking about right this moment, I will talk about it on the show immediately if that curiosity happens to be needing to be itched at some point. And uh, thank you again so much for listening. Stone on Air on all social media. I love you to death. We'll do it again next Thursday. See you later. Bye.